You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. That's great. Thank you so much. And happy anniversary. Wow, what an honor it is to be here with you uh, today celebrating this incredible day. Uh, it will be 10 years for the church that I planted uh, this coming fall. And uh, just an exciting time. And I, I, don't want to, I don't want you to all miss the miracle that is today. Uh, if you uh, know very much about church planting, if you know very much about God's church, you will also know that at times when churches are planted, they don't always exist after 10 years. I've been grateful for the journey that God has had me on, that after 10 years, I loved Jesus more than I loved him 10 years ago. And then there was the church that is actually in existence. Now, that isn't to say in any way uh, that it is it, it, when a church is not in existence after 10 years, that God has not been part of it. Not at all. God is deeply involved in the work of his church, regardless if the church gets established and continues, and it doesn't. But there is a beautiful thing when you have the experience of saying after 10 years, wow, this thing is still going. The vision that God had for this community is still going, still thriving. So um, let's just take a moment to pray and to thank God for that reality. And then we'll dig into what I hope will be an encouraging message for you this morning as you consider the miracle that is God's church, his kingdom, and our opportunity that we get to have the participation in it. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your incredible blessing to this church. I thank you that you promised to us that you will build your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God, I thank you for the ministry of Every Nation GTA. And we pray by your spirit that you would continue to bless this church, God. I pray deep within this church's bones that they would know that they are loved by the Almighty God, the maker of the heavens and earth, the one to came to earth to live the life that we could not live and die the death that we should die and come back to life, securing us both eternal life now and in the future. We give you all praise. We give you all honor. We give you all glory. And we thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word and the freedom that we have in our country to do this. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, my my family was hoping to join us uh today, but my oldest son, so I have three boys. Uh, my son Nixon is the one with kind of the surfer blonde hair. Uh, we had a couple names picked out for our, our our kids when you, you know, you have them. We never found out. I think it's totally, you know, you're stealing the incredible opportunity when you actually have the child physically to then realize what you've had. It's like another extra surprise in that moment. And we didn't know. So we had a couple names picked out. And we said, well, we'll only name them Nixon if, uh, if they have blonde hair and he was born he had blonde hair he then has totally gone with the whole long blonde hair route and then Cade my middle son and then Tundo uh, he joined our family a year ago that is us uh, in South Africa where Tundo is from um, just over a year ago enjoying the beauty of that country hey Richard the beauty of South Africa you know that a couple other ones there um, the one on the, the right is also from South Africa and then the other one's probably just from home somewhere but uh they were totally wanting to be with us today, but uh, due to some family sickness, not the case, but that's okay. What to share with the church on their 10-year anniversary? What to share with the church on their 10-year anniversary? I was with uh, Pastor Bert um, a few weeks ago, and, and we were talking, and he was sharing a little bit about the life of the church, the season that you're in. And I said, well, how about this? And I shared with him maybe something from one of uh, Paul's epistles. 
And he was like, oh, that sounds really great. And then I was driving home and had another time. And the parables from Mark 4 actually came to mind. And so I'm just going to totally trust that that was the work of the Spirit of God, drawing my attention to Mark 4. And if you're familiar with Mark 4, we'll do a little bit of digging into the context of Mark, what's happening there. The very beginning of Mark 4 is the story of uh, the seeds. If you remember the story, right, where there's someone that goes out and they're spreading the seeds and the seed falls on a whole host of different places. And if you know that story, at the end of the story, it shares that there are seeds that took root and grew up. And it was that which landed on healthy soil. And whenever you're planting a church, right, as you are thinking about, God, we want to reach the people of this city, you go to Mark 4, inevitably. You go to Mark 4 because you say, we want to see people spread the seed and God will bring the growth. But don't forget, we got to spread the seed. So what actually I want to do this morning is go back to the very beginning because there's a couple other parables that Jesus tells as well that we find in Mark 4 that is a little bit of a continuation of the parable of the seed being spread that my prayer and hope is that it would be an encouragement to you today. But first, let's first consider Mark more broadly. If you are a Bible nerd like myself, Mark can be separated into two broad categories. In the first eight chapters, we have the king is here and his name is Jesus. The second part of Mark's gospel can then be summarized by saying, but he's not the kind of king that you are expecting. So the king is here, his name is Jesus, but he's not the kind of king that you are expecting. And in the middle, the hinge is when Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? Am I the king? Am I the Lord? The king is here. His name is Jesus, but he's not the kind of king that you are expecting. And this language of king is also language that Jesus used, which is his kingdom. Now, not many of us are likely walking around using language of kingdom very often. But in Jesus' ministry, it was actually incredibly central. At the very beginning of Mark, Mark 1, verses 14 to 15, we really have the purpose of the gospel put in this way, in that we hear, the kingdom of God is at hand. This is what Jesus was sharing. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What Jesus is communicating to us here is that his preaching, his teaching, and healing was all based on this new kingdom that he was bringing to bear through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, and what he taught on. Jesus then exemplifies in his life and teaching why his kingdom is new and far better than any other kingdom. He's a loyal king, just as some examples. It's for everyone, Jew, Gentile, the sick, and the lame. This new kingdom would also be a completion of the law. All will find their completion in the new kingdom. Jesus also teaches, though, that this kingdom is here and now. Sometimes we forget this as those who are part of the church. It's not just some future thing. Jesus is saying it's also here and now. We can live in light of this kingdom. Coming in a little bit closer to Mark 4 then, we have the parables. And a parable was a relatively short narrative with symbolic meaning. And it's actually the most common form of Jesus' teaching. I appreciate this quote from Kenneth Bailey in his book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. He says this about Jesus. Jesus was a metaphorical theologian. That is, his primary method of creating meaning was through metaphor, simile, parable, and dramatic action rather than through logic and reasoning. 
He created meaning like a dramatist and a poet, rather than like a philosopher. Very early in the life of the church, outsiders actually saw Christians drawing their very faith from the parables. The parables are, and then Mark 4, are separate groups of sayings that all find connection with a theme. And in this case, it's the kingdom of God. As I already mentioned to us, prior to this passage, we have the parable of the sower scattering the seed. We have the purpose of the parables as identified by Jesus. And then we have Jesus share a little parable about the lamp under the basket, that a lamp is intended to shine as God is intended to shine and his gospel is intended to shine through you and through me. So what comes next? Two parables I hope will be an encouragement today. Verse 26 of Mark 4. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Hear this. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. Look at this little phrase. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, what scholars believe about this text is that Jesus here is honing in on those disciples where the seed, the gospel, takes root and grows in their life. And so following that parable of the scattering seed, Jesus is narrowing in on the focus of true disciples and the ones that will grow from earlier in the chapter. So here are some points I think it would be helpful for us to understand and to glean from this parable of Jesus. Number one, you and I must not negate our responsibility in spreading the seed. Did you notice in, in verse 26, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. You and I, every nation GTA, must not negate the responsibility of spreading the seed. We're to scatter the seed, we can observe the ground, we then watch the seed sprout and grow. We are called to spread the seed. We are to be generous with the gospel. Did you know that you never have to convince somebody to talk about the thing that they love? Maybe you know somebody in your life where they've watched, they've started watching a new show or they've bought something new and you can just not stop them from talking about it. They're so excited about it. You and I talk about the things we love. You and I talk about the things that get us excited. We ought to be the type of people, if we are growing increasingly in our relationship with Jesus, as we are experiencing his love, as we're singing worship songs here on a Sunday, and when you're scattered in your groups on every other week, that we're experiencing the beauty of relationship with Jesus, we're coming to understand how good he is, and then we should just naturally be people that talk about the thing that we love, Jesus Christ. You and I must not negate our responsibility in spreading the seed. Every nation GTA, do not negate your responsibility for spreading the seed of the gospel in word and deed in your communities throughout this city. That was the vision by which this church was started, and it is the vision that must continue through the life of this church. Many churches do come to a point of gradually dying when they negate the responsibility of spreading the seed. When they fail to look externally, when they fail to live lives 
that are, that are pursuing Christ and his message and his word to all peoples. And instead, they turn in amongst themselves, do their own kumbaya, but don't continue to spread the word of Jesus to the people that God has placed them in, in the places where they live, where they work, where they learn, and where they play. So we must not negate our responsibility in spreading the seed. But this next point is deeply challenging, and it's ought to shock you when you first hear it. Secondly, the kingdom of God, however, grows without human effort and human understanding. Now you may be saying, well, you just told us that we have to spread the seed. Yeah, it's the invitation of God to spread the seed. How many of you have spread the seed, though, and just felt completely powerless afterwards, whether or not the seed of the gospel was going to grow up into somebody? Anyone? Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. And let me tell you, it is so, this is so counter to our culture. This is so counter to church culture these days. This is so counter to pastoral culture these days, because we're all trying to figure out what's the secret sauce. Is it jean, button-up jean shirts on a Sunday morning? Is it beautiful lights? Is it, that will grow our church. That'll grow the kingdom of God. No. A.T. Robertson, in his commentary, Word Pictures of the New Testament, says this, The mystery of growth still puzzles farmers and scientists of today with all of our modern knowledge. But nature's secret processes do not fail to operate because we are ignorant. This secret and mysterious growth of the kingdom in the heart and life is the point of this beautiful parable by Mark. When man has done his part, the actual process of growth is beyond his reach or comprehension. Wow. Wow. The kingdom of God grows without human effort and human understanding. Maybe the Spirit of God this morning is inviting you and he's convicting you of the ways that you are trying to grow his kingdom void of him. I've had the opportunity in this new work that I'm doing now, working with Send Network, and, and also through the last number of years, to, to have the opportunity to hear stories where people are drawing their attention and seeing things because suddenly there just seems to be like a revival or, or what happened there that we could kind of try to figure out the equation of that renewal or that revival. And so people study these things and they're trying to figure it out. I heard a pastor recently, he just said this, you know where revival happens? God comes where he's wanted. God comes where he's wanted. That seems to be the, 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 the basic reality. That's it. Okay. But then God comes where he's wanted in a whole host of different places, through a whole host of different models of church, all of these different things. And I think this is a reminder of God for us this morning as he's working by his spirit to convict us. Trust me. Trust me. And sometimes the Lord wants us to teach us this by not meeting our expectations. And he just wants to encourage us and say, listen, my kingdom grows void of your human effort, and it's not supposed to be understood by you. But I'm doing a work. And maybe the work is actually what he's doing in here, more than what we see him doing out there for the time being. Thirdly, 
And this is emphasizing the point again, is that growth is not something that the sower can force. The soul receives it and the Holy Spirit works on the heart of the sinner. You know, I cannot change your mind ultimately this morning. Like I can probably motivate you maybe to your vehicle, to your bike, to the TTC, however you got here this morning. But after that, it's got to be the Spirit of God. It has to be the Spirit of God. Growth is not something that I can force, that any of your leaders can force. It comes by the Holy Spirit and the work of what he's doing in your heart. Let's keep going. And Jesus said, he continues, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? I love his his style there. He he asks the question, right? He he presents it. Hmm. With what can we compare the kingdom of God or or what parable shall we use for it? Hmm. Verse 31. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the larger than all of the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Interesting. I have a photo here of the mustard seed. Quite small, as you can see. At the time of its sowing, as Jesus is saying, it's one of the least of all seeds. Yet when it springs up, and it becomes one of the greatest of all herbs. I now have what this seed then becomes in our next photo. The mustard bush, in this context, people understood it to be extremely noxious and a dangerous plant. Some at times had the capacity to grow up to nine feet tall. And if this seed would germinate, and it almost would germinate at once, there was a problem with it because it threatened to take over whatever area its seed finally took root in. And many people of that day would have understood it's near impossible to get rid of once it started. Uh, you may not have uh, a piece of land, but if you have any piece of land, typically in southwestern Ontario, those of us with lawns or with any pieces of land are, are excited at the moment because something is not there that it's about to spread up. Anyone kind of understand where I'm getting at? The dandelion. If you remember the movie Ice Age. Oh, a dandelion. But there's dandelions. And if you have ever tried to keep care of a piece of, of property, maybe you think of where you grew up or something else, or you see them across the city, it feels near impossible goal to get rid of a dandelion once it's taken root and then start blowing everywhere. And it made such a mess. And if you've ever had or seen little kids, they come in like, Mom, look what I got you, a bunch of flowers. And she's like, it's so weed, but you're so cute. And she takes it, right? But a mustard seed is understood to be, it's an obnoxious, an obnoxious plant. What is Jesus saying? He's saying this, while the kingdom of God may begin small, it will not remain that way, eventually becoming the largest, most noxious, dangerous, and weed-like threat to the false kingdoms of then and today. Wow. And aren't you and I proof of this reality? As Richard clarified for us earlier, and he just said, hey, we're not the first church. We're the result of many churches. We're the result of many people not negating their responsibility to spread the seed of the gospel. And we now sit here in Toronto praising Jesus. It's amazing. The kingdom of God 
though it may begin small, will not remain that way, eventually becoming the largest, most noxious, dangerous, and weed-like threat to the false kingdoms of then and today. And this is good news for those of us that are Jesus followers. This is good news for those of us that are that are sharing the seed and we're like, oh, it felt like it was so small and it didn't mean anything. Let him take care of the growth, brothers and sisters. And let's continue to pray that God grows that and that it becomes this obnoxious, weed-like threat in that person's life. The other reality of what we're challenged with here is that the good news of Jesus, the gospel, is not just a threat to the lives of those that we're sharing it with. It's also to be a threat to our own hearts and lives. You know, it can be very easy to forget the gospel with the desire to share it, but we must be people that are also transformed and changed by the gospel ourselves. So what in your life today is the false kingdom that stands and puts its arm up to Jesus and says, no, thank you. What would God by his spirit invite you to experience by his grace today? That kingdom, the thing that's maybe an idol, as Keller describes, Tim Keller describes, an idol is anything more important to you than God. What is that thing in your life today or from this week that God wants to smash and he wants to birth up him as king in your life? and his kingdom being your primary kingdom. In Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus said this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This is speaking to the threat of his kingdom, that we have to deny the kingdoms that we want in our life, and we take up cross daily, and we follow Jesus Secondly, we must hear within these parables Jesus' deep care and concern for you and for me. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to thirty, we read this: "Come to all, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." I remember teaching this text one time in the context of, of Church of the City, and someone afterwards saying, "You know, I only ever heard that text to the new Christian." or to the person that had never, not yet committed their life to Jesus. That is certainly the case, but may we also not forget that this is the ongoing, repeated invitation to all followers of Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are some characteristics of his kingdom as it they take root in our life and in our heart. And then thirdly, would we not forget, and would you not forget, Every Nation GTA, that Jesus is not done building his kingdom, and his kingdom will not be snuffed out, no matter the context or the situation, no matter how more marginalized Christians can feel in the context of a progressive city. Jesus' kingdom will not be snuffed out. It's obnoxious. And good luck getting rid of it. For as Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Every nation GTA, keep at this good work. God is not done with you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your work and ministry in our lives and hearts today. 
God, I pray that you, by your spirit, would impress upon us one or two things from this morning's text that you would have us be reminded of. God, I pray for this church. They would not negate their responsibility of scattering the seed, but they would ultimately trust you for the growth and live in the mystery that is your kingdom growing and expanding. We thank you for these hopeful and encouraging words. And we thank you for what you're up to, the things that we see and the things that we don't. And I pray, Lord Jesus, if there's anyone in this room today that has never committed their life and made you their king and are not participating in your kingdom, God, would you draw them by your spirit and transform their hearts, we pray. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.